You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Coast to Coast Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs live on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and Thursdays at a special time of 3 p.m. Our shows can be heard exclusively here on Internet Radio Station OC, talkradio.net. We're broadcasting from their state-of-the-art, brand-new studios in Orange County, California. If you're listening to this show in the future as a podcast, we here at the radio show do encourage you to consider listening live to our program during our broadcast times. Critical Mass Coast to Coast is brought to you through a partnership of Critical Mass for Business with Renaissance Executive Forums. Renaissance Executive Forums business owners in select markets across the United States find and select the most interesting and informative guests in their markets. They bring them to our attention. We prepare them, and we interview them live here on the radio program. Executive Forums is an international organization committed to helping members take their business to the next level. Our radio shows are brought to you by our commercial sponsors, Succession Strategies, Commerce National Bank, Smart Business Magazine, and Smart Stop Self-Storage. This show has a goal, and that is to help you, our listening audience of CEOs and business owners of small and mid-market companies, to make better and more informed business decisions. We do that by interviewing thought leaders who have something of interest and benefit for you to learn from. That's certainly the case for our first guest today. Our first guest is a repeat guest. You may remember her from an earlier interview that I conducted with Ramona Fasula. At the time, I was talking with her as an entrepreneur about her business that she had developed. But today, I'm asked, I am asked Ramona to come back onto the program because I want to talk to her about the book that she's written. It's called A Health Coach's Guide to Heart Health, 11 Steps to a Healthy Heart. And so I want to welcome Ramona back to the program. Ramona, it's good to have you on Critical Mass Coast to Coast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Let's uh, start by asking you very simply, the book that you writ- you have written, why did you write this book? Well, I wrote the book because two years ago my mom had a heart attack. And um, it really came as a shock to everyone in my family because she was healthy, she took care of herself, she ate right, worked out four times a week. And the thing with heart disease is that you don't really know something is wrong until something bad happens and you're in the emergency room or you're getting stents put in put in your heart. Um, so I, I wanted to kind of get to people before something like that happens so they don't have to go through what my mom had had gone through um, very scary very scary experience but um, fortunately she's doing very well today and um, you know she really supports me in um, you know getting the word out and really teaching people that it doesn't have to be this way heart disease is the number one killer of men and women in this country and it just does not have to be this way because it is easily preventable so I wrote the book to teach people exactly how to do that In the book, you talk about knowing your family history, knowing the risk factors, and then ultimately, unfortunately, recognizing and being aware of symptoms. So I'd like to kind of go back up in that and just say, what can you share relative to knowing your family history and knowing the risk factors? As you know, our audience is made up heavily of business owners and CEOs of $2 million to $30 million companies. 
who maybe tend to be workaholics in many cases and certainly, unfortunately, many times don't take care of their diet or their, their body well enough. So maybe you can help educate him a little bit. But can you share a little bit of what's in your book about knowing your family history and knowing the risk factor? It's just so important, and not just with heart disease, with with any disease that runs in your family. It's important that you you understand this, and then you can kind of work accordingly. And there's there's a diet, there's a special diet for heart disease. There's a special diet that you can go on for for things like brain health as well. You know, if you have things like dementia or Alzheimer's that that runs in your family. So really knowing you know, knowing what's there as far as your family history goes and then, you know, working with someone like a health coach to put a diet together so that you don't have to um, deal with with the things that your family has dealt with in the past. Because if, if you have a history in your family of heart disease, you really have to be sensitive to the fact that it's increasing your risk factors, right? As well as things like high blood pressure and cholesterol and diabetes. I mean, you know, the cases of diabetes is, just seem to be exploding, if not an epidemic in this country, as well as being overweight and physically inactive. I mean, there's just, uh, there are a lot of contributing factors that put people in a different risk category. And at, at the very least, they need to be, I guess, from what you write about in your book, cognizant and aware of if they're in a higher risk category than others who maybe don't have these factors. Absolutely. Genetics plays a role, obviously, but when you make the right diet and lifestyle choices, it can significantly reduce your risk of, of developing something like like heart disease. And I, and I have 11 steps, and, you know, you can't pick and choose the 11 steps. In other words, you, you have to really follow all of the steps in the book in order to significantly you know, lower your chances of developing heart disease. I, I, I honestly, when I go to the gym and I see people smoking outside, <sighs> and I just cringe because I think that you just undid everything and all the health benefits that you gained of working out for an hour by smoking cigarettes. So that that's the first thing I, I tell clients. It, it has to go. It is so dangerous. And essentially, you're smoking carcinogens, which is creating free radical damage in the body, which is leaving you susceptible to all kinds of different health conditions. So that's the first thing that, that has to go. That is not an option. It is just so unhealthy. And unfortunately, it's addictive. So there's that component. So it's difficult for people to do that, but they'll, they feel so much better once they stop smoking. They can breathe better. They have more energy. Um, these are things that people need to be thinking about. And then when you look at CEOs, you, you think of stress. That's the first thing that I think about. 100% of CEOs are suffering from some kind of stress-related condition, whether it's asthma or backaches or ulcers, insomnia, and headaches. 100%. That is a huge number. And it doesn't have to be that way. When you, when you meditate or you do different things for stress management, that will help you significantly. Interesting. So there's all kinds of things out there that people need to know about, and, and that's, that's in the book. It's all in the book. Right, because you talked about in the book the uh, risk factors, and you, you, you made a, a statement in there that six of the eight risk factors are actually within an individual's control. So it, it seems like first step is awareness knowing what those eight risk factors are, and then for the six that can be uh, addressed and managed and controlled, 
you know, putting some thought into that and being intentional about managing your health, your heart health, and as you said, other disease and health is really critical. And so I do recommend, and we're going to talk about how people can find your book and get your book here later in the program. One of the other things you talk about is, you know, diet. You, you say in your book, the best defense that we have against heart disease is a heart-healthy diet. And I'm wondering, uh, you know, if you could maybe give the audience of business owners and CEOs just a sense for what do you mean by the term heart-healthy diet? Things that are foods that are high in magnesium. Magnesium is essential for heart health. Things that are high in fiber, foods that are high in fiber. Fiber binds to cholesterol and moves it out of your system. So if you're eating things that are high in fiber, you're going to lower your cholesterol. My goal with all of my clients is to get them off medications. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there that are on medications and they're toxic. I mean, you're putting something synthetic into your body. When you put natural things into your body, like natural whole foods, that's what you need. That's what everybody needs to do, and and not so much rely on the medications to get them where they need to be. You can rely on foods, and food will do the trick, so that you don't have to go on medication. So that's my goal with with everybody to really teach them how to eat a natural whole foods diet, eating things that are found in nature, in order to to get their body in a state of true health. So, Ramona, you're, you're talking about, or at least I'm hearing as you're talking, uh, a concept that I've been made aware of by others who are focused on kind of natural health, and that is this concept of using food as a healing vehicle as well as a nutritional vehicle as opposed to synthetically made medications that may seem like they're easier to take and better for you because they're specifically been designed for your condition, but the reality is in many cases... I think especially around diabetes and some others, you know, people by making life changes can really take more control of their body's ability to fight this disease than if they were ignorant to it and simply medicated it. Absolutely. The body has an incredible power to heal itself given the right tools. And the right tools are, you know, it, they're all in the book. You know, and it starts with diet. We have control over everything that we put into our mouth. We have that control, so we can make the necessary changes. It's not difficult, and, and people, they think it's difficult to, to be healthy and to lead a healthy lifestyle, and it takes time to do this, and honestly, it really doesn't. And, you know, and, and the more you do it, it becomes a habit, and you don't even think about it. For example, exercise. I've been exercising since I was eight years old. I used to exercise with my older sister because I understood at that young age how important it is. And it, and it stuck with me through high school and then at college I was always at the gym and it just stuck with me my entire life. It became a habit. When you take the time, you know, and, and make it a habit, it's so much easier. If you think about it, people take the time and, and they develop bad habits. Right. Well, why not reverse that and start developing good ones? I agree. And you'll see the, the benefits of it very, very quickly. So we're going to take our first commercial time out. Ramon, I'm talking with Ramona Fasula. Uh, and, I, and I'm not sure when I started this, I mentioned that your firm is Wellness by Ramona. We're going to come back. And when I do, I'd like to ask you about the work that you do with CEOs and why okay. you chose to work with them. So, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. We'll be back in about two minutes, 120 seconds, with Ramona Fasula from Wellness by Ramona.
we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com Got stuff to the right, more stuff to the left. Got enough stuff, but I can't take a step. So I smart stopped and took a minute to think. I need a little better spot, not under the sink. With Smart Stop, I leave the stress at the door. Cause it's the smarter way to store. Smart Stop bucks the system. Your first month's rent is just a buck. Your next three months are half off. Call 888-97-STORAGE and mention this station. Goodbye clutter, hello floors. Smart Stop, the smarter way to store. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Coast to Coast Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. We'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 13,000 shows over the last 30 days. We here at the program and the radio station appreciate your continued support. All of our shows can be heard live here on Internet Radio Station OCTalkRadio.net or they can be rebroadcast anytime from iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcasting services. All of our shows as well can be found on our website, which is criticalmass4forbusiness.com. All right, let's rejoin our guest, Ramona Fasula. She's written a book, which we're talking about, as well as she does a consulting work, as well as many other things in her firm, Wellness by Ramona. And I wanted to focus on your consulting work, that you work with CEOs. Why did you choose to work with CEOs, Ramona? Well, I started doing a lot of research on CEOs, and I came across a study. It was done by the Center for Creative Leadership, and they asked the question, what has the biggest impact on CEO performance? Some people thought it was education. Some people thought it was experience. It's actually health. You know, and it makes sense because a lot of, you know, CEO advisory groups, they'll focus on making more effective decisions, but they don't focus on the diet that enables the CEO to make the effective decisions, um, eating foods that are good for the brain. They don't focus on things like that. So I thought, wow, that, that's a really great opportunity for me to really go into companies and and show CEOs how they can eat, um, you know, power foods that would really help them to make incredible decisions for their company. So um, that kind of started it. And... You know, I, I I started this initiative probably about three or four months ago, and um, I just love it. There's such a need for it, and um, yeah, I, I'm just really really happy that I just I stumbled across the the research, and then even when you look at the the risk profile of a CEO, you know, 60% are in the high cardiac risk category. You have 36% that have high blood pressure, 23% have high cholesterol. 
um, even 10% have existing heart problems. So really getting in there and, and teaching them how to really focus on diet and lifestyle to enable them to make the best decisions and be the best CEO that they can possibly be. So, Ramona, I know that you have a variety of programs, and one in particular that I would like you to maybe talk a little bit with our audience, and, and that is your program that's specifically tailored to CEOs. So what does your CEO program entail? It definitely includes a lot. Um, and, and I customize programs. So, you know, if there are certain things that they're looking for, I'll include that in the program, um, like one-on-one -on -one coaching, for example. Um, I give 24-7 phone support so they're able to call me whenever they need me. Video tips, some wellness video tips, webinars, staff support is, is another thing that I'm offering. Um, even healthy food shopping as well, where I actually go online and shop for an executive twice a month and have the food delivered right to their door. And also, along those lines, virtual cooking classes as well. I, I said before, you know, when I came on the show the first time, I can tell people till I'm blue in the face that this is what you need to eat. But if I actually do a demonstration and show them, you know, how easy it is and how healthy it can be, um, I think that is more powerful. So I've incorporated virtual cooking classes within the program as well. But I give them all the support that they need. 24-7 um, phone support, as I mentioned, even and emails as well if they have questions on something. I'm always there for them all the time. So it sounds like your program is designed to be one that spans the country. Is this a, this sounds like a national program that you have available? Absolutely. Geography is not an issue at all. I can work with, with people actually all over the world with this program. Okay, so not only is it a national program, but it's an international program. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I understand you have a special promotion going on. Would this be a good time for you to talk about your special promotion? What I'm going to do is I want to offer your listeners a free health consultation. And this is a nice way for them to get to know me and what I know and, and for me to get to know them. You know, we talk about their, the health issues that they're facing and also, like we talked about before, their, their family history as well. They may not you know, have to deal with, with certain conditions right now, but we want to prevent. And that's what, you know, I'm all about prevention. So it's pretty comprehensive. We talk about their, their sleeping habits, their exercise habits, and it just, it runs the gamut. It's about 45 minutes long, and it's, it's a nice way for, um, as I said, for them to get to know me and for me to get to know them as well. Um, I also want to offer a, a discount on the monthly cost of the program. I'm going to offer a $250 discount on the program if your listeners sign up by the end of October. And where do they go to sign up? They can go to my website, and um, they can go to contact us, and then um, we'll, we'll definitely get back to them and set up a time for a, um, a consultation with me. Tell us your website. www.wellnessbyramona.com, and Ramona is R-A-M-O-N-A. Everybody okay. spells my, my name wrong. I don't know why, but okay. I wanted to clarify that for R -A -M -O -N -A you. R-A-M-O-N-A is how you mm -hmm. spell Ramona. And they'll when they get to Wellness by Ramona, they'll be able to figure out how to find your CEO program and then be able to set, schedule a time with you to contact me, contact us, and then you'll be back in touch with them. That's the process you're using for this. Absolutely. I make it very easy for them. Very easy. 
Well, I hope that a number of the people either listening to us live today or uh, as a podcast in the future, uh, if it's not uh, by the end of October, reach out to Ramona and learn a little bit more about what she can do to help you and, and what she knows about health and wellness. And maybe if they wanted to get your book, I'm sure once they get to your website, there, there are links there for your book. But how do people who want to buy your book and read it buy your book? It's available on Amazon, so they can go right to Amazon's website and purchase it. And there's a Kindle version as well. That's very important. Any uh, any other thoughts? I really appreciate your time, Ramona. I'm glad that you're willing to offer a special program for for the CEOs and business owners that listen to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. And uh, I do encourage people to read your book if they uh, if they're interested in the subject. And I agree with you. We have total control over what we put in our mouth, and there's such a powerful linkage between food and, and our health. Absolutely. And and I just want to get across to, to people that it's not difficult. People treat this as such a chore to, to get healthy. I have to exercise. I have to do this. I have to eat right. Um, it's not difficult. Once you make that a habit and incorporate it into your daily life, it becomes so easy. It becomes second nature. It's It's that simple. And I've only interviewed her twice here on the radio show, ladies and gentlemen, but my expectation is that Ramona is in wonderful shape given how much she values diet and exercise, which are the simple keys to longevity. I have to be an example to my clients, and I am. I'm very healthy. I mean, I, I had gone to, the, to do, my doctor a couple months ago, and he said, you are perfectly healthy. He said, just continue to do what you're doing. But I see it as a a big responsibility because, like I said, I have to... I have to be an example to my to my clients. You're a health and I, coach, and I feel right? like I am. So yeah. I'm I'm very healthy, and, and I'm going to stay that way. Well, I'm definitely going to stay that way. That's for sure. Thank you for putting the energy into writing the book. Thank you for being willing to come back a second time and share with our audience a little bit more about what you know in the area of health and wellness. And I wish you nothing but continued success in your business practice, Ramona. Thank you for thank being you on so the much. program. Thank you, Paul. Have a great night. You too. Goodbye. That was Ram- Ramona Fasula. She is the author of A Health Coach's Guide to Health to Heart Health, The 11 Steps to a Healthy Heart, and it's available on Amazon.com. And I want to thank you for, uh, I want to thank her for making the offer for you guys if you're interested in getting a free consultation with her. I hope some of you will take her up on her offer. We're going to take our second commercial break here on Critical Mass Coast to Coast. And when we come back, our second guest will be on the program. Stay tuned after these words from our commercial sponsor. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. 
Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. The Orange County Business Journal has ranked Commerce National Bank the 26th fastest-growing public company in Orange County, and they remain a Bauer Financial five-star institution. President and CEO Mark Simmons attributes this success to how well the bank treats its customers and employees. Commerce National Bank simply delivers personal service at a higher level than its competitors, while offering technology on par with the big banks. If your organization could use a new business bank, call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President at 949-870-3863 or visit them online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank and they will handle the rest. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Coast to Coast. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Our audience demographic is 98% business owners and executives who listen to learn from our guests. If your firm is interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on a radio show may be the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of our program. We delivered over 30,000 highly targeted sponsor impressions last month. To learn more, contact our advertising department at area code 949-887-4104. Before the break, I said we'd be talking with our second guest, and our second guest is Suzanne Kaplan. She's the president of Total Balance. Sometimes the tensions and conflicts between the generations in a workforce obscure the common values and expectations they share more than they even realize. Suzanne facilitates finding shared strengths and values and turns them into strategies for delivering uncommon results. Suzanne, welcome to the program. Thank you, Rick, for having me be part of your show. It's great to have you. Let me ask you, what is Total Balance and what is the focus in your business? It's actually talent balance, which comes from the concept of having the generational talents balanced and aligned in your organization. And we work with um, organizations who strive for operational excellence. And we use this technique that um, I call common ground because I've found that many organizations don't recognize the impact that the four going on five generations in the workplace are having on their profitability. Or if they do recognize them, they either don't know what to do or they think the problems will go away. And you and I know the problems never go away. (laughs) So rather than dwelling on the negatives or the differences in the generations, I focus more on positive aspects of what we can do to bring the generations together so that the organizations can be successful. Well, you know, Suzanne, I hear many times that CEOs and business owners who tend to be in the baby boomer generation think that some of the younger generations, the, the characteristics that are different than, the, than theirs, will change over time as they just get older and they learn the world and they see the realities of what's going on. But I, but I believe from what I've read and talking with people who specialize in this, such as you and your firm, that these 
differences in gener- generations are long-lasting and permanent, and some of them may change as they gain age and experience, but a lot of them are, are basic beliefs on how that generation was raised, and they will carry those thoughts with them through their life. That's true. You know, as we age, we can change our hairstyles, we can change our clothes, but we remain with a handful of core values that um, came out of our experiences when we were younger and the things that formed us and then makes the generations who they are. And the millennials, which is the youngest generation in the workforce, came up a very different way than the baby boomers did. And they have different expectations. They know that there's no pension out there for them. They know the organization is not taking care of them, and they don't see any reason to be loyal. And they they want to work their own way. And they have to look out for themselves because they feel that nobody's looking out for them, whereas it used to be different for other generations. And, and you're talking about differences between the somewhat bookends in the working population, right? The boomers and the millennials. But in between that, you have other generations that are kind of sandwiched in between those. So I'm wondering if you can just kind of, from your perspective and the work that you do, what's different about managing this multi-generational workforce today than, I guess, in the past? Because we must have had multi-generational workforces previously. I mean, there must have been a time when the baby boomers were the young ones in the workforce and kind of working their way through although that seems like such a long time ago. It's, a, it's, it's more of a history lesson now than anything else. But can you talk about us from contemporary terms? What's different about the workforce today? Well, what, there, there are two pieces to this. It used to be that people would retire on a more normal kind of basis. You know, they'd work so many years and then they'd be gone. And now that's not happening, um, particularly, say, in law firms. The oldest people are staying and working well into their 80s. And you have the baby boomers, then you have Gen X, and then you have the Gen Y or millennials. And if you want later, I can go through what makes each of them who they are. But there are two areas that I think that I hear about from my clients that most frequently distinguish why the workforce is different today. And one has to do with communications, and the second one has to do with values and styles. And I know that Organizations have always said we need to improve our communications. But there's a shift that's going on that makes leaders just throw up their hands in exasperation because the 25-year-olds only want to text to communicate and the 55-year-olds want to hold meetings. So the 25-year-olds consider the meetings a waste of time and the 55-year-olds want the relationships that come from face-to-face meetings. So, and then the second part of that is that there are a lot of assumptions that are made about other age groups. Um, I had a woman tell me recently, she's barely into her 50s, but she was working in a new company, and the team she was working on were starting to have a conversation on the technology they would use to complete a project. And a younger person turned to her and basically said, what do you know about technology? just because she was in her 50s. And so, yeah, that kind of total disrespect that can happen um, based on assumptions can lessen collaboration. But the the big area that I see where the, the communications is having an impact is in sales, in that 
younger people, going back to that first example, they want to be texting all the time as opposed to picking up the phone. And I was talking with a sales manager who noticed that one of his major clients hadn't been heard from for ages. So he asked the young person who was handling the account, and they said, oh, I emailed them about six months ago, and I haven't heard from them. So the baby boomer sales manager leaves a voicemail the next morning, gets an appointment, and within two meetings has $116,000 in orders. And that was because the young person thought, oh, I send an email, I don't hear from them, I don't follow up. And the Wall Street Journal just had a big article on this, that there was a publishing company that their phones had gone silent because the younger people didn't like to use telephones, mm-hmm. and they were just ma- uh, doing emails and texts, and they weren't getting the um, the phone calls to make the sales. So they actually brought in a training firm to teach the young people how to do telephone sales calls. That's interesting, and, and, and as you were explaining that, I was thinking, well, from a sales perspective, as the demographic of the decision maker changes, right, to millennials or Gen Y, um, mm-hmm. we may have to sell to them differently than the way the baby boomers prefer to do it. You know, maybe maybe it becomes more of a, a texting and emailing based sales process than what we're used to. You know, maybe we're right today because the decision makers tend to be boomers, but as they move out of the workforce, we need to be paying attention to are we selling to our clients the way they want to be sold to as well. Right. And insurance companies are finding that they're going, they are having to list more things online so that people can check their products out and sign up for things online as opposed to having the direct sales experience. That's changing the industry. So uh, we have a couple minutes till our next commercial break, about four minutes. And so I, I wanted to ask you, why should business leaders or CEOs be paying attention to these generational differences in the workplace? I mean, w- what's the urgency? Well, I know that from seeing firsthand in organizations that they have cut both structurally and in numbers to the bone. And the only thing left to improve in terms of their productivity and competitiveness is on the people side. So they have to reduce generational cultural clashes and improve engagements. And we've all seen the Gallup surveys that say on any given day, 70% of the American workforce are either not engaged or they're actively disengaged. And I think that even though China, India, Brazil, and Russia's growth rates have slowed down some, we can't keep American competitiveness alive in the world without taking every opportunity that we can to improve the people side of our organizations. And that means leveraging the multi-generational workforce. And Another big thing that I see is that the shifting economy is playing havoc with the generational mix in almost every organization. You have the boomers who aren't retiring as soon as was expected, either because they love their work so much or they can't afford to. Then the next generation, the Gen X people who are in their 40s, they feel like they've been sentenced to an extended time in middle management. They're not getting the development that they want and there's not much room for them to move up. And as a 39-year-old attorney said to me recently, she feels like she has a brick above her and a train wreck coming behind her. And then the millennials in the early parts of their careers, many of them are underemployed or even unemployed. 
And so their pipelines are clogged or there's a lack of jobs, and then there's resentment coming at them for a perceived sense of entitlement. And then the last reason that I hear is coming directly from clients. They're frustrated. They find the new workforce challenging. They don't know how to deal with turnover as the um, economy improves. And millennials, on the whole, leave their jobs at two to three times the rate of the rest of the workforce because they realize they're going to have 10 jobs before retirement. And the only way to get ahead is to change jobs. And there's one global company that I dealt with that studied people who left in the first 18 months. And 82% of them were millennials and 67% left of their own free will. It was costing them $7 million a year because it cost approximately two and a half times the annual salary to replace someone. After you've just trained them and probably increased their productivity, you lose them to right. someone else in a different industry or a competitor. Yeah, that, right. that's a cost. In that particular company, it took over two and a quarter years before the person was really productive. Wow. And yet they were u- losing people in the first 18 months. So they weren't even up to snuff, and then they had to be replaced. Well, Suzanne, we're going to take our next commercial break. And so you'll know, ladies and gentlemen, I've been talking with and I'm talking with Suzanne Kaplan. She is the president of Talent Balance. We're talking about managing the multi-generational workforce. When we come back, I'm going to ask if you can share with our audience the character you you offered earlier to kind of share the general characteristics of the different age brackets. And so I'm going to ask you to talk about the generations in the workplace and their unique characteristics And do they have different values and styles? So, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. Suzanne will be back with us in just a few minutes. We're going to take a time out for these words from our commercial sponsors. If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plan and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group. When you use the Premier Rewards Gold Card from American Express, the rewards points can keep on multiplying. Buy three with triple points on airfare. Buy two with double points on gas and groceries. And a single point for pretty much every other dollar you spend on the card. Then, start choosing from over a million rewards to redeem all those points. Apply today and the annual fee for the first year is on us. Call 1-800-AXP-GOLD or visit AXPGOLD.com. The annual fee for the card is $175. See terms, conditions, and restrictions at AXPGOLD.com. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Coast to Coast Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. We would like to thank and acknowledge our loyal listeners who downloaded our who download our show as podcast. Sorry about that. We you have downloaded over thirteen thousand shows over the last thirty days. We here at the radio show and the radio station appreciate your continued support. All of our shows can be heard live on Internet Radio Station OC. 
talkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from Apple iTunes, Stitcher.com, and other business-oriented podcasting services. All of our shows can be found from our website as well, criticalmass4forbusiness.com. Suzanne Kaplan, who is the president of Talent Balance, is speaking with us here on the second episode of our radio program. And we've been talking about managing multi-generational workforces. Before the break, Suzanne, I was I was asking you if you could share with us a little bit about how the generations are different in the workplace, their characteristics and their values and styles. Can you share that from your perspective with our audience, please? I sure can. Um Generally, we say there are four different generations going on five in the workforce. The first group are the traditionalists, and they still comprise about 5% of the workforce, and they were born before 1943-46. And they grew up in the wake of the Great Depression and World War II, and they faced the world with a can-do attitude because they had to support their family, and their mantra was, company loyalty. They believed that they'd work for the same company their entire career, and because more than half of the men who are in this group were in the military, they very much believed in a top-down chain of command and thinking whatever it takes, and they prefer face-to-face communication so that they basically set up the traditions that exist in our, our workforce today that are being challenged. The next group are the baby boomers, and they were born about 1946 to 64, and so they'd be about ages 66 to 49, and they're about 38% of the workforce. So they came right after World War II, and they were raised in an era of extreme optimism, opportunity, and progress. And the thing about the baby boomers is that they had the sheer numbers to dominate the culture. Until recently, they were the largest generation. And their mantra is that they lived to work. They wanted to put in face time in the office. They're very optimistic. Women started entering the workforce in large numbers. And they will use technology, but they prefer face-to-face. Some of those things about being optimistic and face time so that they don't understand as much why someone would want to work from home at 2 o'clock in the morning when they should be in the office at 7 o'clock in the morning, you know, when the boss comes in. And then we have the Gen Xers, who are about 32% of the workforce, ages maybe 48 to 33. And they came after the baby boomers when Asia's influence was rising. And their mantra is work to live. And this group thought that work should not define their lives, that they wanted more of a work-life balance. And because about 50% of their parents were divorced, these became known as the latchkey kids. And therefore, they were more independent and flexible, and they think globally. um, But they're also the smallest in number, so that there literally are not enough of them to fill vacant leadership positions as baby boomers retire. And they um, they want the flexibility, but there aren't just enough of them. Um, the last group are the millennials, which are about 25% of the workforce right now. And they were born from the baby boomers and the early Gen Xers. And they came into a culture where children were cherished, nurtured, and protected. And their numbers are even more than the baby boomers. So 
therefore their influence is going to continue to grow. And their mantra is work my way. They're devoted to their own career, as I said, not to their companies, and they desire meaningful work. I, I read some statistic that half of them would rather have no job than have a job that they hate. They're being divided into two groups with the earlier millennials, the ones that were wired part-time, mm-hmm. versus the Gen Z people who have only known interconnectivity their entire lives. So that's, you know, we're kind of looking at the millennials as the early millennials and the later millennials. You might have answered my following question, but I'd like to ask it just for my own education and maybe for the audiences as well. Millennials, it sounds like, started in the 80s somewhere. At what point will we make a hard break and say, okay, now there's a new generation? Is it based on calendar time or is it based on, you know, socioeconomic issues that create an environment different enough that we notice these differences in people and then we make the break? How does that work? Well, it normally is around the a generation is people that are born in about the same general time frame. So we do it by years, but none of this is hard and fast, so that some people might say, well, the baby boomers started being born in 43, others will say 46, but the general time frames with the historic events that happened then, you know, the people who were born or were growing up while Vietnam was going on versus the ones who were growing up when the Enron scandals were going on. Um, it creates a whole different way of looking at life based on what happened during those time periods. The four or five generations that are in the workforce, no one, from the way you described it, in my mind, sounds like the ideal way to approach work and and life. It sounds like they all have their own pluses and minuses, right? I think the key here, at least what I'm hearing from you today as well, Suzanne, is that you need to appreciate the differences. You may not always agree with all of them, especially if you're in a leadership position where you need to get an engaged workforce to have competitive advantage. It's your responsibility to appreciate the differences and then to kind of play to those differences as much as you can. Well, play to them in the sense of being flexible and realizing that motivations might be different for different groups of people and that you might need to communicate differently and to say, is this a difference that this group has that really makes a difference? But in the end, it's the business case that if you are not having people who are different and representing your different markets, then you cannot be as innovative. You cannot have the kind of clash of ideas. If you're saying only this type of idea is acceptable, then you're not getting the value out of each group that thinks differently. And therefore, your innovation goes down. People will shut up and not, you know, question things because they don't see any value in it. It's not appreciated, so they don't expend the energy to do it. So your company can't do as well if everybody is thinking the same way. You can't hit the markets if you're not representing the markets, if people are not thinking in a different way, which is what we need to be competitive in this world. Right, because I'm going to circle back to the earlier point that we made together, which is it's one thing to look at your workforce across these multiple generations, but when you look at your your marketplace, 
across these multiple generations and how the buying nature changes with time and age, it's really imperative to a leader of, an, of a small and mid-market company to understand the way they used to go to market and sell. And they, many of them have recognized this as an outgrowth of the recession, but also now mm-hmm. you've got this age population dynamic changing. You have to change the way you position your brand and the way you do business with your customers because they may be the kind of buyer that wants to be buying from you at 2 o'clock in the morning, not 7 a.m. when everybody else is at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I if think so- of it differently. So I, I recommend that in terms of organizations um, developing common ground among the generations, that the first thing is to keep in mind, to keep your lens looking at your workforce that we have more in common than we have that divide us. Mm -hmm. So look for the commonalities and that a good first step would be to educate yourself. So something that I sometimes recommend to um, CEOs and other corporate leaders is to go out and ask different people in your workforce, is the way you approach work the same as people in other age groups? approach work in this company and then follow that up with are their approaches helpful or do they hinder you in your work so that's a way for you to hear directly from your employees go out and ask them questions and then track their answers by generation right interesting if someone wants to learn more about what you do suzanne how do they find talent balance online they're the website is talent-balance.com, or they can, I have a LinkedIn profile, which if they just go to Suzanne F. Kaplan, F is in Frank, Kaplan, there's a LinkedIn profile, and then the phone number is 610-827-9114. Well, I appreciate your sharing just a little bit about what is an interesting and yet complex subject. I want to thank you for being a friend of our program, and welcome to the Critical Mass Coast to Coast business community, Suzanne. Thank you. Have a good day. I will. Bye. All right. I'd like to thank Ken Wax, our Renaissance Executive Forum's business partner in the greater Philadelphia area, for bringing us both guests today, our earlier guest, Ramona Fasula, as well as our later guest, Suzanne Kaplan. Each week, bring you interviews with other business leaders from around the country. We're excited because we're actually expanding the show into Canada and into Mexico. We're going to be lining up our first guests from outside the country uh, shortly. You'll be hearing, I'm not sure which country is going to bring us the first uh, guest. I'm leaning towards Mexico because they are bringing us several good guests that we're going to have on the program. So we're going to be bringing an international perspective to the Critical Mass Radio Show audience to even help you with the idea of diversity even more. I'd like to thank our engineer today, Paul Roberts. Our producer is Rachel Franzi. Our marketing communications manager is Kelly Faltus. And our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. I am your host, Rick Franzi. And until the next time we have a chance to talk, here's hoping that all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You've been listening to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. Right here on Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net.